Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Johnny may sound like she's out of breath. She was dancing around the studio to that theme. I love that theme. That should be our new theme song. Or not. (laughs) We played a little funny company for those who grew up loving the funny company. And you had your nerve speaking over the, the last note of the funny company so i'll have to play it again later uh, but that's a great way oh, to introduce our guest a uh, chicagoan <laughs> we're so lucky to have him here locally he's an illustrator and designer and comic artist and it's a very good chance you have uh, come in contact with his work maybe you don't know but maybe a product that you've picked up with mickey mouse or or the muppets or star wars it's something that came from the mind of our guest jim angle Hey, Jim, how you doing? Steve and Johnny, it's great to hear you guys on the air, and I'm excited to join you. And parenthetically, I should say right off the bat, happy Roy Brown's birthday, which oh, is what yes. today is. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. See? Yeah. So wow. that's, ti- that's timing. It is. And I have to also say, parenthetically, I'm a big fan of Barry Butler, as is my wife, and I'm also a big Marsha Ball fan, so I'm in between. I'm, I'm being sandwiched in so, here. By, you are. By really long. Well, you're well, the good, you're, and after the next hour, you will be a fan of The Empty Pockets, too. Yes. You know what? I was gonna. I was definitely going to listen in on that, because I, I saw you guys post that online, yeah. and it looked really interesting to me. Well, I'm so happy to talk to you, and it gave me an excuse to pull out my favorite theme songs from kids' TV shows, because among all of those other things that I said that Jim does, he's also the children's TV curator for the Chicago Museum of Broadcast Communications, and... and uh, I, I did a funny thing on our way into work tonight. I said to Steve, you know how they say on the on Facebook, um, tell me that you are a fill-in-the-blanks without saying it. So I said to him, tell me you're a baby boomer without, without telling me your age. And I said, funny company, because if you're a certain age, you start singing sure. along to that, right? Sure. Yeah, and that's one of the catchiest theme songs of any of the of any of the cartoon features we grow up with in, in Chicago. But not quite not company. quite as catchy as <clears throat> Oh no. Has anybody here seen Bubbles? B U B B L E S. Has anybody here seen oh, Bubbles? Gosh. Hey Squawky, have you seen Bubbles? Now, I know how much you love that, and I know, and I, I'm familiar with Tuton Baker, but those, those things do precede my personal experiences. Thank but you. when I saw photos of Bubbles the Porpoise, which basically looks like sort of like a, a wooden um, fireplace bellows. Yes. With some, some cartoons. With crossed eyes. And, and some raggedy wig, and, and his blowhole, even though he's yeah. a porpoise, is like at the tip of his nose. Yes. But I, but I will tell you. You might find it interesting. This is probably easily, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago or whatever. Um, I went with a friend of mine who was a, a puppeteer who had worked with the Muppets and Bert Hillstrom and all this stuff because I, I found online uh, somebody who um, was selling one of the original Elmer the Elephant puppets oh, from Channel Oh, boy. And I went out, we drove halfway across the state, and I bought two. I, I, I own two of the original um, Elmer puppets. How big and, are those um, things? They're big. They're, they're, it's, it's sort of like the size of a baby elephant. Because what? Kind of stick your arm down the throat. That's what I was going to say. That wasn't the trunk. Actually, somebody's I mean, arm down the, down the trunk. Yeah, no, I said throat down the, down the trunk. Yes, 
And inside, um, it was really elaborate. It had it had like eyes were made out of out of billiard balls, so that give you a sense of scale. <laughs> and there was a mechanism inside there that would make them spin. And there were also little um, wow. little tiny oil cans that would make the, make them cry. You could squeeze those <gasps> from inside, and water would come out of the eyes. That was pretty high had, tech for those days. It was incredible. They were made by a guy named Emil Nauf, who was a real like a real craftsman. Because if you saw these, and if, if you know anybody who ever watched that show. Many people will say, I thought it was a real elephant. I mean, it was a really realistic, beautiful puppet. And 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 parenthetically, let me say that for people who don't know what we're talking about, it was a uh, a lunchtime show. It was called Elmer the Elephant with John Conrad, and I think it was on Channel 5, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And basically the set was just sort of like a what, what I what I as a kid would have called a Mr. Ed door, you know, like a Dutch door yeah. with mm-hmm. the El- Elmer puppet coming over the wall and John Conrad was like a you know, was a circus, you know, guy in a circus costume that was his keeper and they would just interact. Elmer didn't talk, but he, you know, was sort of like a through pies and stuff like that. And so these puppets were just so incredible, right? And it turned out I got them from a guy who had been the head of security at the uh, Merchandise Mart. And when the Merchandise Mart changed hands, they were just throwing stuff out left and right, and he took them home. Oh, but, um, but my friend who had gone with me, this guy named Lyle Conway, um, he, owns, he owned Bubbles. He, he uh, apparently hooked up with Bruce Newton at some point and, and bought some of his early puppets. So, so Bubbles um, exists in his collection. Wow. Well, I'm now, just glad but, Steve didn't know that there was a Bubbles for sale. That's all I can say. Oh, but now, yeah, but, well, now, help me with this. Along with uh, uh, Two-Ton Baker and Bubbles, there was Squawky the Parrot. And who was the other pirate? Was it Art Fern? It's a, no, it was a midget guy um, uh, called, um, oh gosh, Half, Half Ton. Really? Because there's two-ton oh, two baker, ton. or at least the pictures the pictures and stuff that I have from it, yes. It's a okay. guy who almost looks like Hard Rock Coco and Joe or something. Is a small, like a, a little person with a, um, a beard and a kind of a stocking cap. Um, now, I'm, I don't know if that's, I can't guarantee that was the only one, but that's mm-hmm. in the things that I have in my files, that's the other other guy. And as, as we're talking, I realize... Puppeteers don't get the the uh, unless you're uh, like a, a Jim Henson. I don't think you get the attention that you deserve because no. as you're describing that that elephant puppet, that just blows me away. And you know, you mentioned Roy Brown, and if I'm not mistaken, he studied at the Art Institute of Chicago, right? He studied at the American Academy uh, of, of Chicago, American Academy. Uh, yeah, he did. He, yeah, I'm, I met him in the early '90s personally. I had been. I was drawing greeting cards at the time, and I used to just sneak in characters like Garfield Goose and Robert Rabbit in the oh. background. Hmm. And I wrote him a letter. I had a blank sketchbook that I would collect drawings of rabbits in because it's just my favorite animal. And I contacted him, and I, I was just pursuing, "Would you draw me a picture of, of Romberg Rabbit?" You know. Oh. So I sent him a letter, and uh, and one day my phone rang at uh, at work, and he said, "Yeah, come on over to my house." He, amazingly to me, I grew up in Berwyn. He lived in Oak Park in a neighborhood I'd driven through a million times on my bike. And he's still, when I met him, I think it was about uh, uh, 80, 82. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had, um, still had some of the puppets. He had some puppets from the Blue Fairy um, hanging on in his oh, studio. Boy. He had Tracer from the Dick Tracy show there. Oh. And what, what really killed me was he told me that um, just a week before, he had thrown out the mold to make that was used to make the Bugs Bunny, beautiful Bugs Bunny puppet that was on the show Breakfast with Bugs Bunny, which preceded the Ray Rayner show on WGN. Oh, my God. Um, just a really gorgeous puppet. 
but yes, Roy, to your to your point, Roy made when I was a kid. I loved the, the show. Here's Geraldine. My favorite yes. puppet on it mm-hmm. was a puppet called Virgil Vulture. Yes, really cool looking cartoon. It looked way different than the other puppets, which were all button eyes and yeah. you know, baby. Uh, Geraldine was a sock, wasn't she? Yeah, Geraldine was like a like a woman support. <laughs> Stop it! Eyes, no, I'm serious. Her eyes were those kind of like um, um, leather buttons. Her yes. antlers were were like sort of old time baby bottle nipples. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, so that's the kind of puppets that they had. But this one puppet stood out, and I found out later that Roy made Virgil Vulture. Roy also wow. made the Tracer puppet, the dog puppet that was on Dick Tracy with Ray Rayner. Roy made uh, he made all the Garfield Goose puppets, and he revamped the existing Garfield Goose puppet into the really charming one that we grew up with. Mm-hmm. He turned the WGN um, promotional Cuddly Dudley doll, which granted he didn't design, but he turned it into a puppet with raised ears, and he did the voice and the characterization oh. and stuff. So, yeah, I, Roy to me and um, and Bill Jackson, and, and it's funny because they kind of bookend my interest in kids TV, Garfield mm-hmm. Goose, and Cartoon Town. But I think those are the two most like like Renaissance guys in Chicago kids TV because they did everything. They they had yeah. beautiful aesthetics. They both started out wanting to be cartoonists. They both sort of segued into puppets, which I talked to Ryan several occasions and Bill, which is which we just you know essentially a puppet is a three dimensional cartoon. And um, and they did voices and they did characterizations and they were all they were both great actors and they were they both were. They're both really talented cartoonists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the, all those credits on Garfield Goose, where the characters were running the the uh, cameras or in the director's chairs, those were all painted by Roy. And when I finally nice. figured that out as a kid, or a kid, a young adult, um, that's why I contacted him because I thought wait a minute, if this guy was an artist, he must have done all that art, yeah. and I loved it, and, and indeed he has. So. We're talking with Jim Engel, and we're talking about uh, fun kid stuff and yeah. fun memories from our childhood. And we'll get back with Jim, and he mentioned a show that was one of my all-time favorites, and we'll talk a little bit about that show coming up after this. That's a little slice of... Hands down, one of my favorite, favorite children's television shows. Jim Engel is our guest. And Jim, along with being an amazing comic illustrator and uh, artist and designer and curator of the children's television section at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, he knows stuff about these shows. And Jim, what do you think of when, when you hear a slice of BJ and Dirty Dragon and the Giggle Snort Hotel? Well... BJ and Dirty Dragon, the Bill Jackson, of all the Chicago kids shows, and I had the pleasure of being the guy who inducted Bill into the Silver Circle. And I, I think I closed my little speech with saying that, you know, Chicago has argue, arguably had the best kids shows in Chicago. But Bill Jackson's, I think, was the best of the best. And uh, I, be, I will wax eloquent about Bill Jackson, but before I do, during the break, Steve, I was, I was mulling that over and I thought, Wait, half ton. That was the puppet of of, uh, of Two Ton Baker, a little puppet that looked like him. And, and okay. the guy you mentioned, Art Art Hearn played a guy named Moby yes. on the show. Yes, yeah. And then the guy that I mentioned, the the little person, was a guy named Joe White. And I guess he also portrayed um, Little Oscar in public appearances. Oh, but uh, but um, to the, to what you asked, Johnny, I you know Bill Jackson was was I love Garfield Goose. I mean, I love all this stuff. But yeah. Garfield Goose and Cartoon Town, are, and, and are all the shows of Bill Jackson, are my two absolute favorites. And Bill Jackson just left such a huge impression on me as a kid 
that I hung on to what little stuff I was able to clip out of newspapers as a kid and stuff. And, and finally, uh, in the mid-90s, just because I wanted to thank him for what an inspiration he's been to me, I did a portrait of him and all of his characters. Oh. But I didn't know where he was. And nobody knew where he was because he left Chicago. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not overstating this. It's like pretty much nobody knew where the guy was. Right. So eventually I dug around enough to find out that when he left Chicago after Giggle Snort Hotel, um, in 78 or 80, he did a short-lived show called Firehouse Follies after mm-hmm. that. He went to California, and he was an instructor at CalArts, which was the, the famous school started by the Disneys, and they, they mm-hmm. taught TV, he taught TV production. And um, so I, I, I found out, someone told me he had gone there, and I, I just harangued the, the person at, at, on the end of the phone there, and they said, we can't give you information about, you know, about uh, personnel here and stuff like that. But eventually I wore the woman down, I think, because I seemed so sincere. She gave me his home uh, address, and I sent him this this piece of art. And that's how I kind of established contact with him in the mid-'90s and kind of coerced him. And it took some some, some talking to, um, first of all, to get him to do the interview that we published in the Little Theater Screen. Mm-hmm. But secondly, to come back to Chicago and kind of reunite with his public because He'd sort of put all that stuff behind him. And as a matter of fact, his, his first wife had passed away, and he'd remarried in California. And his wife told me a couple times, she really had no idea the magnitude of the stuff he'd done in Chicago wow. because it wasn't the thing that he talked about very much, you know. So, uh, and and successfully, when I got involved with the Broadcast Museum, um, talked him into coming back, and we produced several um, things together, which was a dream to me because we we always presented these things, a couple of things, as if they were his shows, you know. Mm-hmm. So we did puppet segments, and we did... But but the best part about it, and the, for me personally, one of the highlights of my life, besides becoming um, friends with him in the process, was to be able to be sort of the catalyst to um, let him know how beloved he was. Mm-hmm. Because well, I, he, he was a, reluctant to come back, and I know it was because he thought it might be embarrassing or underwhelming. And mm-hmm. when he came to the first thing, and it was standing room only, mm-hmm. um, he told me the next night, like we went up to dinner, he goes, that was like my Oscars. And after oh. that... Then he was, then you know it wasn't yeah. too long after that when he started his own website and people you know people loved him when Absolutely. we did that big event at the museum in two thousand and one where we had every living kid show I was still there Mary Hartline and everything mm-hmm. the two people that people were dying to me were Ray Rayner mm-hmm. and Bill Jackson right. you know and if you consider that Bill Jackson was on Channel thirty two sure mm-hmm. which had poor reception and yeah. right. all, all the other setbacks that that a show like that could have. He he just succeeded incredibly well. And the other thing is, you know, I love Garfield Goose and I love Kukla Fran and Ollie and stuff. But did, Bill Jackson would be the first person to tell you his show was a production show. You know, mm-hmm. those were traditional puppet prosceniums. A puppet popped up. That was it. Bill Jackson's puppets moved around in their world like the Muppets did or whatever. Mm-hmm. He went way out of his way to do like movies, you know, movie serial parodies and blackout gags and running storylines about people running for president or, you know, Dirty Dragon meets the monsters, blast off to Mars. I mean, he couldn't sit still, you know, and he mm-hmm. would say he had a lot of help. But even the people I've met who worked with him would, would you know, sing his praises to, to the heavens because the guy just wanted the greatest show, you know. And I think it, You kind of anticipated a, a question I was going to, you had mentioned how his, his wife didn't realize the impact he had before he came back to Chicago. Do you think he realized the impact that he had? To be really honest, um, no, I, I don't think he did. And I 
I don't think he he was not a bitter person because he was not a person who looked back. But but I think you know I think he might have been frustrated to some degree by all the efforts he made because even after he went to California, he did do a couple of things that people are amazed to find this out. But he he made a pilot called um, Lay Hot Club, which was about a band a, 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 like a jazz band of uh, dragons in a nightclub and. <laughs> Roderick Crawford was like <laughs> was like the star of the show with these guys, and it and it didn't sell. But I do not, I don't, I don't think that he knew uh, Steve to your question. And I and I I've told this story a million times, but I said to him finally, I'm like, you know, Bill, you left Chicago and you've been gone for you know years, a decade. I go, it's not like you're in line at the White Hen ordering a pound of ham, and someone two people behind you goes. Hey, I know that voice. You're Bill Jackson. You know, he didn't have those moments like that a Ray Rayner or a Bob Bell or somebody might have had that stuck around Chicago, uh, you know, or met people on the street. He didn't have those moments once he left. And I think he he wrote it off as part of his past. And he, he told me flat out, I don't want to trade on the past. But when he found out that the past was significant, then I think then he was willing to, you know, yeah. he loved meeting the people that loved his stuff. And I've know? got to thank you, and I don't know that we ever have, but when you sought him out, when you found him out in California shortly after that, we were lucky enough to get him on our radio mm-hmm. show. Yep. And with right, the time yeah. difference he joined us, and i got to tell you, I was fangirl. That, that I, was a special night. I had a so hard I time. That night. I, yeah, I, I, hard, I really had a hard time talking to him because I was just like, you, you've got to understand how important you are to me. I think that, yeah. that was one of two times in the years that Johnny and I have worked together that she was ever borderline speechless that was one time the other was Bobby Sherman Bobby Sherman yes I was like oh I'm not sure those are that that far apart because one of the things I think is part of the appeal of Bill Jackson was his shows were so hip that like you know people kept watching him long after the age that someone might expect someone to be watching a Mm -hmm. puppet show you know they were like they were like Jay Ward cartoons or Looney Tunes or, right. or, or, the, or, the, or the Muppets, you know. And the other part of it is I think Bill Jackson, when I was a kid, he seemed, you know, I loved the monkeys as a kid. Bill Jackson was like was like that. He was sort of like, you know, he had the big mutton chop sideburns. Absolutely. Yeah. Carnaby, yes. yep. He was cool. Yes. Yeah, he, he was like he was like a hip guy. Was, yeah. and, and I think and I, and I, I know this, actually. I think he was kind of crush material for a lot of the female viewers. And I think for yes. a lot of the guy viewers, he was just like, you know, he's kind of an ideal thing. He's like Mike Nesmith or something. Like, this is a cool guy, you know? Yes, Jim, hold your thought right there. We're going to take a break. Uh, gosh, I'm just sitting here grinning from ear to ear. So stay with us on WGN. So tell me. That was one of my rushing home from school to see shows and i was going to say tell me you're a chicagoan without telling me you're a chicagoan when you hear that you go oh i was rushing home from school to see that show with us on the line this evening is jim engel jim is an incredibly talented guy it must be the life of parties because people will just say tell me tell me stories tell me these great stories about kids tv shows (laughs) and and, and jim i I wanted to segue into just a little uh, different area for a second sure Uh, we've talked about your uh your involvement with kids tv shows but you're an incredible artist how did you and you have worked with some of the biggies how did you get involved in that well i think it i think it's all kind of tied together i could always draw you know i i i know this about some of my good friends who are are humorous cartoonists a lot of a lot of times it's basically self-taught i had no i've never had any art training whatsoever but what i did do was immerse myself my entire life in animated cartoons of every kind on TV, you know, the old theatrical stuff, the mm-hmm. made-for-TV stuff I grew up with, 
puppets, which I, I love all the kids' shows, uh, and comic books and coloring books and little golden books. And I think I just absorbed hmm. out of my sheer love for it enough stuff to you know, kind of develop my own skills to the point where uh, when I got out of high school at 17, I got an apprentice job in an ad agency and um, kind, of, kind of developed from there. But I will say the people that I know that uh, like myself or that I, that I feel you know, kindred spirits with, are still to this day voracious consumers of like just wanting to find more great artists and look mm-hmm. at more great art, mm-hmm. you know. So, in my view, my actual ability to draw is a God-given ability. I is just something I was I have the way you know my son can build anything, or my other son's a photographer, um, but, but uh, or my wife's very creative too. But I, but I guess the point is. You, I believe God gives everybody something, and you got to you have to develop it. So this is my thing. There's nothing else I can mm-hmm. really do, you know. But um, I just have never tired of it. I love cartooning and and art of all kinds more now than I ever did in my mm-hmm. life. And can I, can I bring it, it up to uh, to uh, to the current time? Are you familiar with? Uh, there is a new series of animation that we discovered. Through our six-year-old grandson, yeah, he's crazy about Cuphead and Mugman. Are you? Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. Oh. Yes, I'm familiar with them. Um, they're and they're they're uh, very admired, I think, from a design standpoint because they they visually evoke the old Fleischer. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, it's wonderful stuff. The early, the early, um, you know, um, Disney stuff, the pie cut eyes and the, mm-hmm. the rubber, yeah. what they call and, the rubber hose. In fact, of, as an artist, you'll appreciate the fact when he draws a, a character in his own six year old way, he does the pie cut eyes. Yeah. He says yeah. to me, yeah. that means Gigi, they're smiling. And I go, that, oh. That's funny, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 you have stuff. You, a lot of current cartoons are very retro, and they're they're almost like you know shows like Ren and Stimpy that were sort of almost like sarcastically hearkening back to, mm-hmm. to old. They were, I used to say they're almost not so much. I'm not talking about Cuphead when I say this. Not so much cartoons as parodies of cartoons. You know, right. Because what happens is the generations of the people that are making these films that we're talking about. They're also students, you know, and they love the aesthetics, the design aesthetics of the 50s, you know, the look mm-hmm. of something like the original Tony the Tiger mm-hmm. or, or ads from that era. And as a result, they insert that back into their work. So you end up with sort of like a circular thing where contemporary contemporary cartoons or animation are using motifs that are, you know, older than the people that are making the cartoons because mm-hmm. they discovered them mm-hmm. and they like them. And I, and I, I feel like that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about for myself. You're always looking to discover and just find more things that are inspirational or just, you know, joyful. Mm-hmm. You know? What was the first product you designed professionally? The first product I designed, profe- well, the first product I designed professionally was a uh, when I was 19, I got a job at a greeting card company in Chicago, and uh, I illustrated greeting cards, humorous greeting cards, what they called studio cards, those sort mm-hmm. of angular vertical sure. cards, for almost 10 years. And at a certain point during that, I started writing them as well. So those are the first things. And I can I can remember the first time I was in an airport or a Sears store, and I saw my own you know greeting cards on a spinner rack or something uh-huh. like that. It was, it was kind of a moment, you know. Yeah. And then and then that segued into toys. I worked for a small toy company, and part of my love for all of this stuff is that I stylistically I can work in you know pretty much any cartoon style. So whether it would be like the Fleischer's things or the '40s Looney Tunes things or contemporary simplified stuff. So that came in handy because. Um, a lot of the work I did when I got into toy development is it's always based on a licensed property. You know, somebody's 
somebody's got the rights to do a promotional toy based on a movie or a cartoon right. show or whatever. So it's useful to be able to um, draw in all these different styles, understand all these different styles, and also have a strong working knowledge of all these properties and characters, you know, and, th- and that's been kind of a, a boon to me professionally in working on all these different kinds of things that end up at retail or in fast food restaurants or cereal boxes or whatever. Well, besides being uh, an incredibly talented guy, you are a lover of the art. What's out there today that you go, whoa, that is so cool? I mean, what character is out there? What, what? You know what? I No one will, this won't, um, this is not something that, like, right off the bat would blow anyone away aesthetically. You know, I, I, over the years, I, you know, I've been fans of different new current cartoon shows back when Dexter's Lab was on. I love that. And I love Ren and Stimpy originally. The, the two shows that, uh, in terms of an anim, animated shows, that are on television now that I really think are are wonderful, I, I learned of strictly because um, my grandkids watch them. My three-year-old granddaughter is in love with two shows. One of them is called Peppa Pig, oh, yes. which is a British show about yeah. a little girl, Pig and her family. Now, artistically, it's not the kind of thing that would ever have done anything for me and gone out that I wouldn't hooked for that. But it's they're just wonderful. They're funny. Mm-hmm. They're so charming. And, and even more so than that, an Australian show called Bluey, which is B-L-U-E-Y, which is about a, a family of uh, blue healer dogs and a mom and a dad. And I can tell you this, as an adult, you guys should check this out. Yeah. These things are so touching and funny and sweet and clever. And the family members, the mom and the dad and their relatives and stuff are so on on the money for just like wonderful adult figures and how they interact with children. And Bluey is just something that I just think is well, so oh, cool. Where would we find it? Is it Netflix or, or where is it available? Oh, gosh, you're going to, you know, there are so many channels on our TV. I don't even know. Yeah. But yes, it, it's, it's, one of, it's one of those kids' services. I don't know if it's Nick. It's or, somewhere on the uh, screen. <laughs> yes, it's somewhere okay. on the screen. And I'm Bluey. sure if you Googled it in five minutes, you can find out where it is. But I posted a thing on my Facebook page not that long ago saying just what a great show I thought Bluey was and got a lot of responses from people who, you know, essentially saw it the same way I did through some little kid introducing him to him and going, oh, yeah, that great. is such a sweet show. Oh, well, good. We have we have a six-year-old coming to stay with us for two yes. weeks, so we'll oh, have well, to introduce him to Bluey. Bluey. Bluey's certainly yeah. good for a, for a six-year-old. And Peppa Pig is a, a little girl character, so my, my, my granddaughter. I love Peppa. Her. She's adorable, yeah. and I love all and of the... funny. Yep, they're very funny, and, and it, she's just so darn cute. That, that character's adorable. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, I am sorry that I got rid of so many things that were important to me as a child, because when I see your Facebook page and I see your office, I say, you know, you're living the dream. You got all mm-hmm. those cool mm-hmm. toys. Yeah. Is there yeah, anything I, that that you that you look at it and it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy? Is there any one thing that you just would never ever part with in in your collection? Um, yeah, well, there's a couple of things that were given to me by family members that because of that reason alone, they're yeah. very dear to me. But I, I I will mention two in particular because they tie back in with you know with what we we're talking about before. Um, I mentioned that I had approached Roy Roy Brown about doing a drawing for me. And uh, in this book that I, blank sketchbook, I left it with him and came back to pick it up. And I'd asked him to draw me Romberg Rabbit. And he did me a beautiful drawing of Romberg Rabbit standing out in front of the castle with some some kind of snarky remarks about the puppets. And in the background, all the other Garfield Goose characters in the window. And then when I turned the page in the book, he had also done a drawing of himself as Cookie the Clown wearing a big Easter Bunny rabbit suit with Cuddly Dudley, which was just a total surprise. Oh, yeah. That. 
But the other thing is, and after I met and became friends with Bill Jackson, he donated the puppets to the Broadcast Museum yeah. uh, at, at his mm-hmm. first public, the first big public show he did. So it kind of fell to me to design a, uh, a display for them. And it's nothing like the current display, which is a beautiful replica of Cartoon Town that my son and I built. But it was just a simple thing. The, yeah. the museum didn't have a lot of budget, but it was, it was, a, it was a display case. And they brought Bill back to, um, to do a ribbon cutting for it. And then to my surprise, while he was giving his little talk, he pulled out a, uh, a ceramic sculpture of the blob on a pedestal. <laughs> um, it was painted gold, and it has a it has a plaque on it that says oh. something like, you know, Blobsker Award herewith presented to Jim Ingle for being a great guy or something oh, like that. Oh, that's and so he cool. Sprang, he sprang that on me at the thing, and it's, it's about a foot tall. Oh. And um, it's just, you know, I just... It's just near and dear to me, obviously, that he would go to the trouble of making it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's aesthetically beautiful, and it's very touching to me. As well. And that's a perfect place for us to end our conversation, because we yeah. could go on all night, Jim Engel. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for well, joining us. Thank you so I much for joining us, Jim. Thank you. And, uh, have a good rest of the show. I'll Appreciate be it. Okay. All right. Bye-bye now. Good night.